All right, all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you guys make your way slowly and carefully <laughs> up to the front here so uh, you could join with your teacher. And all those who are two, three, and four years old, if you'd make your way to the back together with your teacher. Again, what did I say? Three, four, and five. That's what I said. No, <laughs> I, I don't think that's what I said, was it? I really messed up. Three, four, and five-year-olds make their way to the back, and then kindergarten through fifth grade. You all are kindergartners. Kindergarten through fifth grade, right? Right? Okay. We'll check your IDs. All right. There you go. All right. Oh, it's, it's uh, good to see you all this morning. Good to see this good group of kids. This has been fun. See them line up. All right. All right. Hey, I'm, I'm going to start right here. I'm going to say, please forgive me. But last week, we were supposed to conclude Malachi. And uh, that, that was done with the book, right? On Easter Sunday, that was it. We had, uh, you know, looking ahead, I had planned on four sermons. And we kind of set these ahead and, and think about it. But it came uh, the, the, an open Sunday. And, and the guy said, well, what do we do? And I said, I got one more sermon I want to preach in Malachi. So we're, we're looking at Malachi chapter 3 today. I'm, I'm going to take a step back. And, and I, I thought this is not good to jump over this passage because actually this really, as I went through it, is a great place to, to conclude. We could, could have definitely concluded last week uh, the message overall. But, but to step back in chapter 3... Verses 6 through 12. If you want to go ahead and prepare your Bibles for that, uh, please, please do so. But in thinking about Malachi, the hearts of stone, what we've, what we've, uh, uh, I actually want to ask you a question, first of all, to, to begin thinking, get your mind working. Uh, let me ask you this very simple question. How is, how is that relationship you have with God? How, how is your relationship with God? You know, if, if you were to describe it, is, is my relationship, man, it's alive. Meaning, mean that it is a growing relationship. I, I, I'm, God knows this fully, right? But, but it's coming, my opportunity to come and, and, and know him more and understand him more. That's, that's, that, that would be a live relationship with God. I, I feel like I'm growing in understanding God and coming into a, a greater relationship with him. And, and that's, that, that would be described as a lie. But, or, or is it, is it maybe that, that weekend relationship kind of thing? You know, hey, you know, when Sunday comes around, then there's some life in my relationship with God. Or is it just dead? Is it just dead? Here's the reason I ask that. We've been traveling through this book of Malachi. Hopefully, hopefully what, what you've had the opportunity, if you've been with us all along, that you are better understanding of Malachi. Matter of fact, if you read through it, there's going to be some things that you grasp uh, with his, within its passages and, and within the things that God is telling his people in this book of Malachi. Uh, one of the things that I know that we've seen is in God addressing his people, he is, he is talking about their relationship. The relationship that God has with his people. And at best, we'd say that this relationship is fractured. It's fractured. 
Uh, if we've been following all of you, have been with us, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit, maybe uh, if you haven't been with us, and, and, and go through some of the things in a way of review of what that looks like. But there's a lot of warning. There's, there's a, a statement of this is the way you are, and, and it is not good. It is not good. We're going to pick up uh, verse 6 through 12. I, I think we still see that this broken relationship in the passage we're reading today. I want to begin in verse 6. There, uh, God is speaking. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do you ask, uh, no, excuse me, but you ask, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, no, excuse me, I'm, keep my finger in this place. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation. Because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's time, before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. There's a key statement that I'd really like us to focus on. I, I, and I think it's a key statement amongst other statements. This, this is one of the, the, the greatest statements within all Malachi. And it's the words from God. He says, return to me, and I will return to you. Return to me, and I will return to you. Again, we're looking at Malachi, and, and there is, at best, as I said, a fractured relationship that his people had, his covenant people have with God. And, and then he says in, in this simple sentence, return to me, and I will return to you. That, that, that really is key to this passage. And I believe over this whole book of Malachi, return to me and I will return to you. Here's what I'd like to talk to you about this morning is, is what, what you do or what, what, it, what you need to do when you, your relationship with God is not what it, it should be. I asked you earlier, you said, how is that relationship with God? Can you say, man, I could be better. Is there anyone here saying, man, I, I could have a better, I could, I could be growing more than I am. I could be involved in other things. Yeah, but, but I feel like, you know, maybe even kind of stale in it, stagnant. What do you need to do uh, to, to grow that relationship, to bring it to what it should be? Uh, first of all, just a couple of simple things I want to bring up this morning. First of all, is we need to take responsibility for a fractured relationship. If we're in a fractured relationship with God... Then, then we need to take responsibility. Now, understand this. We're talking about people of God. And I think I need to make this clear. For those of us who, who are in Christ, 
it's possible you could have a fractured relationship in that the fact that you're not growing or you're not you're not you're having that kind of relationship with God that he intended it can be fractured I'm going to say there's a fractured relationship for all of us before Jesus right so if, if you haven't received Christ, the thinking is that's your beginnings. You know, it, it is to admit, boy, I'm sinful and to receive Jesus. That's the opportunity before us to enter into that relationship. For, but this morning I am speaking to those of you who are in a covenant relationship with Christ through Jesus. I mean, I'm in a relationship with Christ or with God through Jesus Christ, I should say. Israel... You know, Israel, matter of fact, again, they had difficulties in their relationship with God. God makes that statement at the beginning. He says, I have loved Israel. And the response back was, well, how have you loved us? How have you loved us? In a way of saying, well, you know, it's kind of clueless. What have you done? What have you ever done? You know, and probably was more a reflection of the circumstances they were in right now. They were in difficulties. They were in ugliness. I, I've done some counseling with some, some couples. Over the years, uh, sometimes my wife and I sit down with, with, with some of you or, or people even outside of the church because they're struggling in their marriage. And I will tell you, I'm not a marriage counselor, but I, you know, what, what I have to offer is I know the scriptures. I know what the scriptures say about my relationship with my wife. And also, I'm experienced in, in relationship. I've been married to, to Linda, uh-oh, 38 years. Is that right? Okay, I got the nod. Yeah, hey, I got it right. <laughs> so 38 years of experience, and, and, and she has been a patient lady, okay? Uh, and sitting down with someone just, just to help them in their faith and their walk, you know, definitely there are some hurts and pains that I would say, hey, you need, you need to sit down with someone who's going to dig deeper into this. But with, with many of those that I've experienced, those that are at odds and in conflict, the husband will come with a list of these are all the things that she needs to change, right? And on the other side, the wife comes along and says, oh, these are all the things that he needs to change. They get it all figured out. It's just the wrong people are thinking about what I've got wrong instead of myself, you know? And, and, and then this idea of taking responsibility for the fracture, God is not the problem, God is not the problem in the relationship you have with him. He is the one who created this covenant, and we're, we have this grand opportunity to enter into it. Uh, the people of God in Malachi, actually, if we go through there again, there's a lot of statements that, that are saying, man, God, you are the problem. I mean, one of the last things we dealt with was, God, you're not a God of justice, and, and, and the last thing in verse 16 of, uh, of, of this chapter, basically he says, you know, it is just useless, it is meaningless to serve God. That was some of their conclusions. So the problem, the problem is with the people. And, and tell you what, if there is a fracture or there's a problem in your relationship with God, the problem comes from you and I. It's, it's, it's going to be a problem on this side of it. Are you with me? God is perfect. It's the problem's not coming from him. Now, Israel, again, they had a failing covenant, and they were failing in, in the promises, that covenant that was established. You know, I will be your God, and you will be my people. Uh, they were failing that covenant of loving, honoring, and cherishing God. We hear that vows in marriage, right? But in the, in the covenant of God, it is that, that 
great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's a call. I believe that's the same call that you and I have today, isn't it? Jesus said, well, what are the, you know, what's the greatest commandments? Well, it's, it's that one first. It's to love God, then love your neighbor. We are to love. How was their love identified? Their love was identified by keeping the commandments. It, it was to submit to God and to follow what he said. It was for their own good. I mean, it was, it was how to be a community of people and how to treat each other and how to, to come into a relationship with a holy God. That, that's what was all laid out for, for the people of Israel, the people that, that God is speaking to here in Malachi. But instead, instead, through Malachi, we've seen the exact opposite. Here's a little review. What have we seen? We've seen disrespect, a despising in the name of God. And it came through those sacrifices they brought. It was not what God called for. They were bringing the worst instead of their best. They were unfaithful. They were unfaithful. They were drawn to things that were actually contrary to God. It, it would have affected their relationship with God. Specifically in chapter 2, it was about uh, the, the fact that they were pursuing ladies who, or ladies who to, to marry who worshipped other gods and not the one true God, not, the, not Yahweh, not Jehovah of the Old Testament. It, it, was, it was a broken relationship. So they were bringing into their life things that were not honoring of God. They were unfaithful. Matter of fact, they were divorcing in order to do that. Where God said, hey, be faithful. They were critical. Again, it's that one statement. that said, hey, you're not a God of justice. Man, a God of justice would take out our enemies. God of justice would take out these wicked people that, that surrounds us. And he, he, he hasn't. Also, in, in, our, in our passage, as, as you've heard, here's, a, here's another problem. In verse 8, consider this. Verse 8, in our passage, it says, uh, you know, well, how are we to return? He says, how are we to return? He says, well, stop robbing me. He, he says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? The, the familiar question we hear throughout Malachi would form the question like this. Well, how are we robbing you? Well, it's through your tithes and your offerings. It, it's coming because you're, you're not giving. Again, it comes to what was specifically laid out in the law to do. I mean, there were sacrifices specifically laying out. There was festival, different things they were to, to commit to and be a part of. And, and offerings and tithes, bringing it to the storehouse was part of it. This comes out of Leviticus chapter 27, all laid out in the laws. One of the places, actually it's in, in several different locations, but verse 30 of Leviticus 27 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is, it is holy to the Lord. And, and in verse 32 it says, Every tithe of the herd and flock your sheep or your goats or your cattle. Every tenth animal that passes under, under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. That belongs to the Lord. And, and so what, what the people in Malachi were doing, it was, well, they, if, if they, you know, verse 16, found it was just feeble, if it was just useless in worshiping God, well, we're just not going to give. 
there's already probably struggles in their life, you know. They're already uh, finding it difficult to make ends meet. And so why bring the offering? Why, why take that tenth animal and give it to God? Or from the produce that, you know, from the fruit from the trees or anything, why give a tenth to, the God, to, to God? Because, hey, it's just useless serving him. Fracture is seen in their action. I think it's important to see in the Old Testament that the fracture, the brokenness of God's, we're talking about God's people along with God, that fracture is seen through their action. It's seen through their action. And, and listen, bottom line is, is if, again, if we have a broken relationship with God, it begins there. We have to take responsibility for that where we're falling short in this relationship. The second point, again, simple set two points this morning, you must return to be restored. You must return to be restored. Acknowledge, acknowledge the problem and then you must return uh, to be restored. There's this idea that, that, that your heart, I mean, you might be going through the motion. I mean, they were making sacrifices and they were doing other things, acknowledging him to be God, but their hearts were what? Far from him. Their hearts were so far from God. They weren't devoted to God. And, and so he says, in, in order for me to return to you, you must return to me. Again, that statement, which I think is powerful throughout Malachi, and I want you to embrace it this morning. What God says is, you return to me, and I will return to you. Is God going to stand there and, and just wait on you? No. You need to return in order for God to come back into a right relationship with you. In this, again, he said, stop robbing me. Stop robbing me. There's other things as well we'll look at. Uh, bottom line, there's, there's a couple things in this idea of returning. And number one is, is really simple. It's value the relationship. Value the relationship you're in with God. Understand he created it. Uh, there is, there's definitely reasons to value God. Let me go back to verse 6 in this passage. Amazing verse. Verse 6. What, what these people, these people of God needed to hear. He says, I, the Lord, do not change, so the, so the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. You know what he's saying? Hey, the fact that God does not change, you still exist. You're still around. What does that mean? God, God is consistent in who he is, and he's consistent in what he says. His plans have been laid out, and he's been consistently following it. Uh, we, we know that because of his promises. God laid out promises to, to those patriarchs. We're talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. It's going to be numerous. It's going to be broad. And all the nations are going to be blessed through you. And, and God has kept his promises. Why are the Israelites still alive? Why are the people of Judah still alive? Why do they even exist? Look in that verse, it says, you ought to be destroyed. God have every right to wipe out that nation and start all over again. But God established promises. These people were not righteous people and deserved to live. They were not. They deserved God's judgment, condemning judgment and because of his promises because of his promises Israel continued to exist hey listen we come into today and understand what what through this nation that that we've been given 
this grace and mercy, and it's come through God's promises. We are people of God's promise. We exist because God is faithful. Do you understand that? The day I enjoy, or the day I even exist, you know, going through each day is because God has been faithful to his promises. There's reason to value the relationship that God has given us. There's reason to value his patience on me because what I deserve is not even to exist. I I don't deserve this life that I've been given. I've messed it up. I've done ugly things, sinful things, not just to other people, but I've I've done it before God. (laughs) And yet... I continue on, and and I could even say I am a child of God. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. We all don't deserve that. Do we understand how, how valuable God's love is for us? How amazing his love is for us? And in the passage 6, it lays it out. Man, he's been faithful in his promises. He is a God of his, you know, of his word. He does not change. Uh, in verse 7, let's go to that, that verse I said, man, is really key. God is ready to return to a good relationship. That idea that if you return to him, he's going to return to you. Again, this is God's people. If you return, that relationship's been established. It's been the ancestors. It's been part of their nation for forever. And, and what he wants is if you return, if you return, Josiah in the Old Testament did it. Found the scriptures, man, did the repenting, stayed off probably uh, going into destruction much earlier because of his faithfulness. And, and others through the Old Testament, we can look at where God's mercy is evident in, in the Old Testament. But overall for this nation, <laughs> oh my goodness. And he tells them a message we need to hear. Return to me and I'll return to you. Return to me and I'll return to you. So those of you in faith in Jesus, man, have you slidden? Have you, have you just kind of dropped the ball in my relationship with God? I mean, we could blame all kinds of things. It could be relationships. It could be you know, the workload. It could be my business. Whatever it is, the things of this world could draw me away. Return to me and I, could, I will return to you. Absolutely. And I would say you know, that's built upon that foundation of Jesus going back and returning to the gospel message that we've received. It is about repentance. It's repentance and then glorifying God because of his amazing patience, right? His amazing mercy. That's who we are. That's who we are. I love the, the song we sang. Uh, the, the, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's, that's, that's our definition. That, that's what defines us. That's where we value him. It's because we're loved by him. And it changes us. It transforms us through that grace, that mercy, and through that Holy Spirit we're given. We don't deserve any of that. Now, why is it we came to, to God in the first place? Why do we have our beginnings there? Well, some of us would say, man, it's, it's absolute because of fear. You know, we hear about that judgment, hell, fire, and brimstone preaching. Every once in a while I was accused of that. I don't, you know, hey, that's, that's right there, that's, you know, and, and people love it. That's chapter 4, verse 1 of Malachi. Look at it again. It's talking about the furnace. 
that God's condemning judgment is going to come someday. And out of fear, I don't want to face that. Therefore, I'm going to get my life with, with God through Jesus Christ. And I, I make that decision. And, 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 you know, that's right. We need to be fearful of, of God. What else can we fear? What else do we fear? The things in this world, boy, it could take our lives. We, we could be destroyed in so many ways. But God has rule over our souls. Everything, everything about us is in God's hands. So the fear ought to be in, in God. So, so that's a beginning in, in, in God. But, but even more, the fact, that, I mean, the fact that I deserve that kind of judgment is there. And that he's been a merciful God. Man, we have the opportunity to run to, to, run to him with, our, with all our passion. With, with a great, tremendous love and in awe of how amazing a God that we, we have the opportunity to serve. Do we understand that? Do we understand how amazing God's love, God's patience, his mercy is, is shown to us today? Are we there? Are we in that kind of relationship with him? There's an example in the, in the Old Testament. It, it's Psalm. And the, and the Psalm that I've, I've loved for many years has been Psalm 73. So this guy came to mind. I'm, I, write down that Psalm 73 if you want to and, and, and make, make a note of it and read it later. I, it, it is an amazing Psalm. Uh, here's, here's a worship leader, kind of like Eric, a guy named Asaph. And, and he's writing just kind of like his personal struggles. If you read there, at the beginning it says that, you know, boy, he gave praise to God, but he said, but there was a time where I struggled. I, I was about to slip, meaning he was about to fall because he was struggling. What was he struggling over? It was the things of life, you know. In his life, he was trying to conduct himself in love by, in obedience and trying to be a righteous man on God's behalf. At the same time, he's looking out into the world, and he's seeing people of wickedness. And, and, and it seemed like they were prospering. They were, ta- they were getting advantages that he wasn't. He, he started, you know how it is, and sometimes you get, oh, man, why isn't things going better for me? That was, that was Asaph. He said, oh, man, it's, it's just, man, it's becoming a burden to me because I see all this good stuff that's happening to all the wicked people, and I continue to struggle. And it continued to happen until you get to like verse 17. In verse 17, it says, I entered into the sanctuary of God. Meaning that I just, I finally went face to face with God. What happens? And I believe what happens there, he's reminded about the reality, the relationship he has, the covenant relationship. He's reminded of his his patience, his faithfulness. He's reminded about God who is sovereign, who's in control of everything. And then, and then it all turns. His attitude all turns around. He says, the truth is, those who are wicked are on a slippery slope to destruction. And, and then he almost has pity for those who don't know this relationship with God and are not, are not in that relationship. And then I, want, I especially bring that up because I want to bring you to the place of praise. I want to bring you to the place of praise in that passage, Psalm 73. Uh, I want to begin with verse 21. Just to read, listen, listen carefully to what he says. First of all, he acknowledges who he is before God. He's going to acknowledge why he was 
such a mess. It was my fault is what he says. Listen, he, he says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered. Have you been there? Circumstances of life. Have you been there? When, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered. Maybe you're there now. Listen, listen to what he says. I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Man, that's repentance. This is, this is, this is who I was, Lord. I, I, I absolutely forgot. I, I, I was ignorant to the reality of who you are and what I'm seeing. I, I was interpreting it all wrong. I was a brute beast. Then he says, then he, then he just professes truth. He says, yet I am always with you. <laughs> I, I love this imagery. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You hold me by my right hand. Do we understand this relationship with God? That, that I, what he's done through Jesus the, the giving of his only son and, and, and giving us his spirit. Is there no greater picture of, of, of what God is doing and how close he is to us? He holds us by our, his right hand. You guide me with your counsel and after, afterward you will take me into glory. Do you, do you see the tables churning for Asaph? I, I, I think there's so many people who could relate to this passage. When you feel defeated, when you feel embittered, when you, when you think, God, where are you? Yeah, this, this is not the way. If, if you're really a God who loves me, why am I going through all this? That was Asaph. Until he realized and came before God and found out, oh, good grief, what have I done? What have I said? I, I was kind of out of my mind for a moment because the truth is you're close to me. You're so close. You've got me by my hand. You're going to lead me. You're going to guide me. Even into glory, that's what you have in store for me. Why do we need worship? Why do we need worship? Why do we need to, to draw? Why do we need to enter into the sanctuary? Why do we need to get close to God? Because sometimes we get ignorant. And we look at the world. We begin to, to, to get disillusioned and miss an understanding of what God has done for us. The truth is laid out in his scriptures. Understand that. Oh, man, that's, that's such a powerful passage to me. Let me finish with the 25, 26. Hey, he, because he asked these questions. This absolutely is praise. And again, he continues to identify truth. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? Who do I have, who do I have in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. This earth has nothing to offer. All I want is you. Do you hear that in his declaration? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength of my heart, is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Woo! That is such great praise. I want you to know Psalm 73 because I think there's so many times. I've been here before. I've been there looking at the world and being so confused and ignorant. And I've come to the place, and, and man, I, it makes me feel, you know, I could relate to Asaph. I don't know whether the, the if, if you could identify, man, my life is not alive in my relationship. Perhaps uh, that, that'll be an encouragement to you, the realization that God 
man, values us, loves us. It, it begins with that. Value the relationship you're in with God. Value it. Value it. Then look fully to invest. I, I think there's still action. You know, even though the law has been completed, there's action that takes place in those who love God. There's action. There's activity. We, we don't act on behalf of some law or something that's held over our head. We don't act on that way. We, that, that's not us anymore because we have this covenant that's, that's absolutely identified by the grace of Jesus Christ, grace through Jesus Christ. We come into a relationship because of what Jesus did for us. He gave us all for us. Now we have the opportunity to live for him. So the action, the activity in our lives identifies, are we alive or are we dead? Let's think about communication. How's your communication with God? You know, when, if I'm sitting down with a, a couple, well, are you talking about the things? Are you, are you having good communication? That's, that's something of a, a, a good relationship. Well, what do you mean? I mean, communicating with God. Well, absolutely. He's spoken to us, right? He's had words for you and I, and, and they're right here within, within the scriptures. It's laid out for us. Do you know his word? Uh, is, is Sunday the only day that you open it and, and, and think about his scriptures? Or is it all week long? Are, are you investing in his word? Are, are you praying? Uh, that's our opportunity to speak to him. Maybe even to pray the scriptures before him. To, to hold on to promises. I think that was Asaph's place where he entered into God's presence. We need that time. We need the time where we could, you know, Jesus would say, well, that's your closet. That's your place, your quiet time. To, to go in and remind yourself uh, through the scriptures, who is God? Who am I? Oh, man, you're amazing. <laughs> you're an amazing God. And to remind yourself, oh, you know, how's that? That, that, that? That's a measurement. How is your communication with God? How about that awareness of adulterous hindrances in our life? What I'm saying is, is there anything in our life that is hindering that relationship with God? Uh, there's that idea of being faithful. Well, what, what, is it, what are the things that we're investing in? What, is there anything in our life that is coming between me and my relationship with God? Is there anything that's coming between myself and my relationship with God? I think that's something that you need to evaluate. Is there something that's overtaking that I am failing to be the person of God that I need to be? Uh, is that a possibility? <laughs> Last night we were playing a game. Lindsay and Jared and, and Linda and I were playing. And I, I, it wasn't my turn, so I had the phone out and I was doing you know, Facebook flipping. And, and my wife looked at me and gave me the evil eye. Okay, guys, you know what it is? And you just kind of melt and you're frustrated and, and things with that. But, but she called me out on, hey, you're with family. And Matt, this would, Matt Johnson would say, hey, if you're going to be here, be here kind of thing. And man, stuff like this could get in our, I mean, if you're spending time and, 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 and making comments on Facebook and, and spend, I know people, you could spend hours on that thing. Can it be, can this be a detriment to my relationship with God? Absolutely. Absolutely. How about sports? Absolutely. Fashion? Absolutely. Clothes? Uh, my house? Whatever possessions? What about my relationship with my wife, who should be loved and honored and cherished, right? Not more than the one who gave his soul. I gave, gave his life in order for, for me to live. 
not more than the God who has loved me and has given me opportunity and has given me such a precious gift in my spouse. Man, hopefully I'm loving her because of my love for God. Greater and greater. Does that make sense? Nothing should come between you and your God. Listen, what about your words? What about your words? You know, is that reflecting the relationship with God? You know, it ought to be words that reflect him in that area of grace and mercy, of, of peace even. Uh, it's, it's not in those you know, destructive words that we throw at each other. It's never should be a part of the church. Words ought to be constructive when it comes to the church. Does that mean correction? Yeah. It could be correction, but it doesn't have to be destructive words. You know, words tearing down and, and hurling at each other. Man, that shouldn't even exist amongst the people of God. That shouldn't even exist. It ought to be words that are encouraging, that are building, that are strengthening. That's, that's what we want to be a part of as a church in order that we're growing in that relationship with God. And, and then also, we can't forget this, it, it, it should be found in our giving. You know, verse 8, again, he said, man, you're robbing me. He had to say to Israel, you're robbing me because you're not bringing your offerings in. Uh, again, it was 10% there, but well, he didn't bring that over into the New Testament, did he? Oh, man, there's evidence of a lot of giving in the New Testament, even more so, I would think, uh, of the need. There's, there's a, a couple of things that we could bring over from the Old Testament when it comes to our giving. It's, it's that idea of 10%, you know, that... That, that's a great place to, to start. Well, you say, well, it's not given over, so I, uh, you know, I, could, I could always go down to 5% or something like that. I could do a smaller percentage. Well, I, I would consider, instead of a limitation, that in the New Testament we could give a lot more than 10%. I throw that at you. There, there's an opportunity, and some of us have the opportunity to give more than 10%. Uh, of, and and it, it comes out of our relationship. It doesn't come out of the law. Again, how do we honor? Matter of fact, uh, Paul is the one who said uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. For God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things in there. It, it is a decision. I, and I've always said, man, when it comes to giving, it ought to, be, it ought to be planned and it ought to be purposeful. It ought to be planned and purposeful. That means, you know, you, you get your paycheck in the week. The first thing, this, this would be another principle in the Old Testament, the first fruits. That, that you know, when it, when it comes to my giving, you know, to, to the church or to, to a mission like the, the, um, uh, the pregnancy service center here in town. Or to, or to a missions that we support. Uh, to Alpha Christian Children's Home, which is this coming Saturday. A group's going out there. To, to give for kingdom. To give for kingdom. There is absolutely a principle that's laid out here as well. This is, it, did Jesus say anything about our giving? Did Jesus have anything to say concerning our, our giving? And he did, I believe. See, in the Old Testament, here's, here's the way it was established. In this kingdom, in your giving, if you're obedient to everything, I'm going to bless you as a nation. I mean, you're going to prosper even to the point where all the nations, this is, this is 9, 10, 11, and 12, if you look at those verses. He said, man, if, if you follow through and you're obedient to me, I, I'm going to bless you. You're just amazingly going to be blessed. Your crops are going to prosper. That's what it says in verse 10 or 11. No bugs are going to eat it up. You're, you're just going to be able to produce. But 
After he says, you robbed me, he said, you're under a curse. And again, that's Old Testament. But I, I wonder what transfers over into the New Testament. We're not under the law. We're not under compelled to nothing over my head hanging. It's, it's actually according to the condition and preparedness of your heart do you give. Out of the, out of the change in your heart do you give. You know? I do believe there's some prospering that goes on for those who give financially. And I've heard it said, well, you know, I'm going to put in my money and it's going to be multiplied. Don't listen to that crud. Don't listen to that crud. Oh, man, it, I, hey, I'm going to give so that I could get. What? Is this my relationship with God? I think Jesus says it best when it came to worry. You know, Matthew chapter 7. When it came to worry, Jesus said, hey, don't worry about the stuff of this world. Don't worry about your clothing. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about that stuff. So what do I do when it comes to giving? What, what's first? What's my greatest priority? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And everything else is going to be, be taken care of. Everything, everything is going to be taken care of. That, what does that mean? Ultimately, I'm just going to trust God. That's my life. I love him. I, I'm going to serve him all my days. After what Asaph said, are you kidding me? How can I live in a, any other way? I love him. I will serve him. And I'm going to depend on him. What I have is his. However I could serve him with my stuff, God, use it. I don't know. Again, let me ask you this. Is your relationship with God what it should be? I, I would tell you honestly, no. Because I think there's this continuous pursuit if it's, if it's in pursuit, man, good job. There's life in you. There's this pursuit because, oh, we could come to know him more and more. And, oh, man, that road to knowing him more and more, all you know is joy. You realize there's joy even in the, I would say, even in the face of the worst heartaches and hurts in this life. Because God doesn't change. He's consistent. He's faithful. He's made promises. He's given us a Savior. And wow, we ought to be his people and giving him our all. He, is, he has given us all we need for life and godliness. He's given us Jesus. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us the church to challenge us and help us to grow. Take responsibility. Take responsibility if, if, if that's not what it should be. And also return if you return to him, he returns to you. That's good news. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for your word. I praise you for this journey through Malachi. Lord, though it was so many years before Jesus came, we could see and clearly identify, uh, Lord, the way you work, what you desire of us. Father, help us as a people who, Lord, we want to be right with you. We want to to, to be in that relationship with you. So we praise you for Jesus. We know that he is the only means of being right uh, with you. And we have the opportunity to grow in that relationship, to be challenged by your word, to be listening uh, to each other in our encouragement and our strengthening. Lord, we praise you for the church. We praise you uh, for the opportunity we have each day just to come 
and, and to be encouraged as we gather together. Encouraged by your word, encouraged through your spirit, and Father, encouraged by our uh, opportunity just to know Jesus. Father, we love you and we praise you. Father, you direct our hearts and our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.